Welcome to this week's episode of Football Neophytes Podcast. On the docket, we have the red card apocalypse, a 9-0 thrashing. Is City going to run away with the league? Allison sure did what he could to help them seal it if they do. We're going to look at the Tuchel bump, and we're going to give Brighton and Hove Albion a little love. Plus, Kyle features Arsenal, and we bring on a very special guest to help him do it. Hey, bud. What's up? We have Titus Hughes joining us today. Hey, bud. Hey. I'm actually recording uh, from downtown Phoenix at the department co-working space where I work. They have a brand new podcast studio, so they're not an official sponsor yet, though. I'll start working on that. Um, so You're I'm in down- studio. I'm Nate in Hughes studio. in studio. Nate Hughes in studio. I don't know if I'm working any of this stuff correctly. So if I sound normal, then there it is. Titus is a couple miles away at home and Kyle is many miles away uh, in Florida. And yes, Chris is missing. Um, He had a family emergency he had to tend to tonight. So much like Kristen uh, Pulisic, he is out with a family emergency. So uh, our thoughts and prayers are with with Chris and his family tonight. Um, We are gonna jump straight in to the Hughes Derby, which was earlier in the week. That's right, Wolves, Arsenal. um, Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Arsenal owned the first half, shots off the post. Um, Wolves looked continued to look lost. Uh, they went up one nil. Arsenal went up one nil, and then at the very very end of the half, Titus very. Hey, sadly, what do you know? David Luiz gets a red card. David Luiz, who in many ways like ended Wolves' chances for a great season, uh, not not. Uh, purposefully, but with his header uh, that that put Raul out for the season, um, David Luiz with a red card in the box um, on William Jose, and we get a, a Neves goal to to equalize at half, and then in the second half, the wheels come off for Arsenal. A second red card. Arsenal goes down to nine men. Actually, before that, before that, probably goal of the week. Uh, Jao Moutinho, who has not looked good this season so far. Um, a lot of people thinking he's getting old and not able to perform at the same ability as the past. Just puts in a strike from way out. 30 yards, 25 yards out, and just a screamer that gives us a 2-1 win. Then another red card for Arsenal. They go down to nine men, and Wolves seal the victory, the much-needed victory. Titus, what? tell us a little bit of what was going on for you uh, on Tuesday. Went in the backyard and started crying on the trampoline. <laughs> 
<laughs> we've all been there. And in fact, we've been there. I've we were there. texting, we were texting with one another, Kyle, Chris, and I, and they were asking how Titus was doing. I said he's on the back in the backyard trampoline crying. And we all uh related different uh times in our yeah. lives, all around the age of nine, actually. Like I was thinking, well, mine that. was last week. Mine was last week. <laughs> So Titus, if you're still doing it when you're 36, you know, you, you, me and you will have something in common, but yeah, I have, I have a memory of the Niners getting knocked out of the, the NFC playoffs in 1987 and going Mm. in my, in my front yard, finding this piece of decorative wood, like driftwood and just crying and smashing it to pieces. That's, that's my memory. So Titus, it's, I think it's beautiful that we care about a sport so much that uh, that we would weep over it. That's right. Next time you can just take, you know, your soccer ball that you have in your backyard and just pretend that David Louise's face is on it and start kicking it against the wall. That might that might work too. That might. Okay, yeah. Titus, but the reason we have you on as a special guest is because Kyle featured Arsenal this week. So Kyle also watched the match. Um, I want to hear Kyle's thoughts on it a little bit. He's going to tell us what he thinks about Arsenal, give us some thoughts, but then we also want to get, he wants to ask you some questions to get some deeper insight into Arsenal. So he has a better uh, idea of whether or not he should choose Arsenal to be the team he supports. Yes, sir. I need you to help me out, Titus. You hear from me? Yep. All you right. definitely need to. I don't want to cry on the trampoline alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, let me tell you, I even though Arsenal lost their collective minds during this match, I walked away really liking this club. Um, it was a fun game from the start, even though like almost nothing went your way. I still, you know, Saka, right, had three opportunities to score within the first, like, eight minutes, um, which was super exciting, except he didn't convert any of them. Um, But even still, loved watching him, really was impressed by, you know, a lot of the players on their team, Pepe and Willian and Party and so many of the guys. And then the guy who... I really would have loved to have seen who didn't get a chance to play is, and you're going to have to help me out with the name here, but Abba, Abba, Abama Ying. Is that right? How do I say that? Abama Yang. Dude, I watched some YouTube of him and he looked incredible. Um, And so what, what do you think about a lot of the players on their team? Do you like this club? Like a, like the squad that we got? Yeah, I do. I really feel like, um, it ruined their season when, well, the game, not the season, when, um, David Luiz got the red card. He just clipped his foot. I'm happy yeah. with the club. I feel like they could have made some better choices with the club, but I mean, I'm happy with the club. They're in okay. great shape they got some great young players like Sokka and Pepe I feel good about this club who is your favorite guy on the club who do you like watching the most Obama Yang 
dude, I can tell that I'm so mad, honestly, about not getting to see him play live yet um, because he is exactly the type of player who I think I would love to. Um, And so, yeah, he's he's really fun to watch. Powerful striker. He's been down this year, so you haven't we haven't really seen the best of Aubameyang this year, but the last few years he's been one of the top strikers in the league. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I really do like the striker, you know, the, the players on this team, Nate, Nate knows and Titus, one of the things I'm looking for is some really good strikers, um, some big imposing guys. And I think Obama Yang would fit that bill. Last question on the players. How are we feeling about Burn Leno after he just decided to punch the ball outside of the box for no apparent reason and get a red card? What, what's our feelings on their goalkeeper at this point? Um, I mean, um, good, actually. Leno, when they played Aston Villa last, they lost 3-0. And they played them last week with a uh-huh. different goalkeeper and lost 1-0. Okay. okay. So, I'm not too worried. Okay. All right. If you're not worried, I'm not worried. Um, I, like I said, I really did like so many of the guys on this team and I thought they were really exciting and fun, even in a game that was a little bit crazy. So I'm going to give them four golden boots for, for like our striker category. I just thought they had so many guys that were fun and I didn't even get to see the guy who I am most excited about. So I really like the squad and think they're a lot of fun to watch. My next category, Titus, is something I call infrastructure, which basically is what is the foundation? What's the, you know, what do we, from an ownership, a manager, from the history of the club, do they have what it takes to win and keep winning? Um, And so, as you probably know, right, they have a ton of success in the past. Uh, A couple of things that I noted were the longest continuous streak in the top division, they haven't been relegated since 1913. They've won a ton of trophies, 13 league titles, a record 14 FA Cups, um, a European Cup, bunch of titles. They, they've won a lot in their history. And they actually completed the 20th century, which I always get confused on, but that's like the 1900s, right? With the highest average league position. Mm. Um, so, yeah, man a lot of past history that's really good and i would say you know they've just been the definition of stability over the years uh and then as far as ownership they're owned by a guy named stan Kroenke, who also owns the la rams nuggets and avalanche which are american sports clubs titus you're are you a niners fan you are right no i'm a texans fan you're a Texans fan. That's we're wearing we're a 49ers to... shirt right now. So you're confusing me. I just we're trying to get Watson. Shirt. We're trying to get Watson over. That way we can. No, we're him. not. <laughs> All right. Well, nevertheless, how do you feel about the owner of Arsenal? Who did you know that he owned the LA Rams as well? No, I didn't. Okay. Now that I've told you that, how do we? How do you feel about that? Uh, good. Good. LA All right. Rams a good team. They are a good team. You're right. Um, okay. All right. Well, I also feel very good about the infrastructure, their history of winning. You know, they have an owner who has a lot of different sports franchises, which I think, again, is really a good sign for their ability to compete. So I gave them 
five golden boots for infrastructure. Um, I just think there's not a lot that you can really, besides maybe the manager, right. would be the, the, the biggest thing that, that we could potentially poke some holes in, but I think there's a lot of ability there to kind of can keep winning and bounce back a little bit. Yeah. Here's one where I need your help on the culture of the team, like the supporters, right. And the, and like the reasons why you decided to be a supporter, what drew you to Arsenal? Well, at the time I thought our symbol looked cool. 100% um, agree. Not the best team and not the worst team like yeah. a team in the center i kind of wanted a team like that and i just found that team and i, I liked them like right at the last second i was wolves until the last minute dang and i so first of all i'm totally with you on the the logo and just the name arsenal I actually have been thinking about it. I think it might be the best name and logo combination in sports. In all of sports. I I think it might be. Like it's wow. so strong and Cohesive. unique, but not in an annoying way. Yeah. Um, it's so good. I can't think of one that I like better. It's impressive. Let me let me tell you. Let me yeah. let me just chime in here a little bit. This isn't going to be uh, what what Titus wants to hear, and actually, it's not something that I think that Arsenal's known for necessarily. But I have never seen a bunch of Arsenal fans act so unbecoming as I did this week after Wolves mm. beat them. I. I mean, the amount of pictures I saw of people saying, like, there's a picture of William Jose on the ground, and they were like, oh, we hope this, we hope what happens to Raul happens to him. Um, mm. Like, this, uh, this, I saw one guy just couldn't let it go, like, just complaining, complaining, complaining about the calls. Um, tons of Raul comments about his head getting smashed in. I mean, this is me supporting, like, and following football for two and a half seasons. And this yeah. is the worst I've seen a group of fans react after, after a loss. So I was super, super disappointed, um, mostly for Titus and, you know, but, um, but I just want to chime in. Cause I do think it matters as you're, as Definitely. you're club. And you'll often see a lot of like, there's something called Arsenal TV. I don't ever really watch it, but you'll okay. often see clips. It, they like record fans watching the game and you'll often see the most outlandish videos of dudes reacting <laughs> to stuff on Arsenal TV. Okay. All right. All right, Titus. That, that didn't sound too hot there. Um, no. Here's one more question for you as far as the culture. Have you ever heard of Gun uh, Gunnosaurus Rex? No, I can't believe I haven't told you about Gunnosaurus Rex, Titus. I'm so sorry. That's a that's a dad fail. That is a, a dad in a major, in a major way. Yes, Titus Gunnosaurus Rex is a mascot for Arsenal, and he's a seven foot tall green. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. A seven foot tall green dinosaur who wears an Arsenal kit, and he's always at the match. <laughs> Titus, I'm gonna I'm pulling up a photo that I'll show you. This is and he's even wearing like a baseball cap in this, which makes it even more but and like a choker. 
I don't, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so um, I think anyone listening to this podcast probably knows who Gunnosaurus Rex is, but there he is, Titus. Um, yes. Well, needless to say, Gunnosaurus Rex is <laughs> my new favorite mascot. There's him <laughs> there making a save. There he is making a great save. <laughs> With his belt. Oh my gosh. I I had totally forgotten about the whole concept of like mascots. It's a very, I think almost probably most American teams have them. But just as we were doing this podcast and, and looking at all these teams, no English soccer teams that I know of or have seen have mascots. And so when I saw Gunnosaurus Rex, um, I was elated. I was elated. There's huge controversy yeah. at the beginning of the season because they Arsenal fired the guy who wears Gunnosaurus Rex, and I guess he's been with the club for like decades. Oh no! And there was a whole bunch of controversy about his like COVID cuts, and people are like, "You employ hundreds of people, like right. you can't fire John from accounting." <laughs> Like you got to fire like Gunnosaurus Rex. So uh, I think they might've rehired him. I don't remember how it all concluded, but they got a ton of flack for firing Gunnosaurus Rex. That's bad karma right there. That's bad karma. But we definitely have a new Halloween costume for you, Titus. Gunnosaurus Rex this year. Book it. Gunnosaurus Rex. (laughs) That's That's his theme theme song. Um. So he does wear a kit, which brings us to kits. Um, you know, Titus mentioned the, the logo and the crest. I really do like that a lot. I mean, it's, it's just so solid with the cannon and the red and white. Uh, very classy. The home kit, I don't love the white sleeves. I, I'm not a big fan of that look. Any team, time a team just does different color sleeves. Um, it's hard to mess up red and white. And I, I kind of think that they uh you know did it as well i don't want to be too negative because i really do like their kits but I, I the home kit's not my favorite the away one with the it's white with red what are we calling them red veins thunderbolts thunderbolts okay that's probably a better way to market that but i do like it the third kit's that dark blue also really good um you know, their jerseys are made by Adidas, solid. The sponsor, Emirate Airlines, solid, no problem there. I think they could have done a better job overall with this year's kits, but just with the crest, the colors, the history of the kits, again, really positive in my opinion. So gave them five golden boots for that. Um, I know we've been a little bit bouncing all over the place here with this review, but all in all, um, they came in really high, Titus, on my list of golden boot tiers. They have a total of 15 golden boots, which I know doesn't have quite a lot of context for you, but that, my friend, is the second highest of any club that I've rated thus far. And Dang. so I really did like them. I actually like them for one reason that I didn't mention that Titus called out, which is they are a, a club that has a history of success that I think has a, a real chance, right? I, none of us would disagree with this. They have a real chance to, to win league titles going forward, but they're not this just favorite behemoth um, that is just kind of, killing the league right now and so it's not like it doesn't feel like jumping on the bandwagon 
So I do like that as well. Um, it remains to be seen whether or not I'll pick them, but Titus, I, I, I really liked your club a lot. Thanks. What one question? Yes. What's the team in first place ahead of Arsenal in your golden boots? That is a great question. Do you have any guesses? Leeds. That's a great Close. guess. Close. That's a great guess. Uh, it was. It's Man City. Uh. <laughs> well, the way things are looking, Kyle's not going to be able to choose Man City anyways. True. <laughs> because of uh, our restrictions on being able to pick the the title winner, and Man City seems like they might be running away with things. So, Titus, my man, I love you. It's time for bed. I'll see you in the morning. Okay, Thanks, Dad. bud. Thanks for helping out. Welcome. Good night. Bye. All right. We have spent a lot of time on Arsenal, which I'm really happy about. I'm thankful for, for Titus being able to join us. Uh, Kyle, any last things you wanted to say about them? No. I, the only thing I would talk about that we didn't mention with Titus is let's go back to the match real quick. Yeah. Um, first of all, the red card on David Luiz. Yes. How did you feel about that? It was, that was also controversial. I mean, one of the guys that was losing his mind the most on Twitter, one of the guys I follow, um, he hosts an unnamed podcast. Um, he like, just couldn't get over it. Like, yeah. Again, I don't know enough. Like the rule is if you impede a goal scoring, a clear goal scoring chance, it's a red card. There's mm. no, there's no, uh, I don't think there's any stipulation on whether it's intentional or not. I don't think it was intentional, but it's obvious. I mean, it's a, like William Jose is a professional striker. Like he's got over 40 goals in his career. He's going to score. I mean, he could have missed of course, but yeah. it's a, the, according to the rule, it's a red card. I know it was okay. unintentional, but he takes his legs out from him. And so I think, I think they got the right call. There was other red cards that were overturned during the midweek um, and over the weekend. And so, you know, red cards matter because you yeah. like miss matches. So uh, the league looks back into them and will overturn them and, uh, they didn't overturn that one. So I think it was the right call. And okay. the FA agrees as well. Yes. And then the second red card, again, we kind of glossed over it, but it was Leno, the goalkeeper, went outside the box to, to get it. And I, it seemed like it was a combination of he kind of lost his mind for a second and, and also freaked out and thought that the – wolves attacker was closer than he was and he just kind of punched the ball i don't think he needed to and and even if he did need to i don't know that that's worth risk or worth the suspension that comes with that yeah i think part of it is he got caught out of position he got caught out of position and the ball skipped at him and i i just think it was like you're right yeah. like it hit it came out of in a weird spot and then he just reacted kind of instinctively so um Man. Yeah, it was it was a bizarre. I mean, what a bizarre a bizarre way to win for Wolves. I mean, it was the most bizarre match I've watched this year. There's no there's no doubt. With, you know, a clear scoring opportunity with 
37 seconds into the game. Yep. Two more in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And like you said at the top, uh, Arsenal completely dominated. And then that Louise red card at the end of the first half just flipped the script. And from there, it, Arsenal self-destructed and Wolves got a big win. Yeah. And we needed it, right? Like those three points were so huge. Um, I think I tweeted this out. Like if Wolves have gotten 10 points off of their four matches with Chelsea and Arsenal, yeah. if you would have told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have thought we were going for top four. Uh, I wouldn't have believed yeah. that it was over a third of our total points uh, for the season so far. So um, obviously uh, two big victories over Arsenal and we'll take it. And then a draw with, with Leicester um yeah on on sunday lester's fighting for the top spot that's an important important draw for wolves more importantly a clean sheet which is important for them um and hopefully turns uh turns the season around for wolves um chris isn't here to ask what my relegation <laughs> meter is at but it's it's comfortably now back to like a two um, yeah and again, I think that has more to do with the bottom three than it does to do has to do with the Wolves' position necessarily, uh, even with the four points they got over the last two matches. But yeah, the bottom three are just they're not doing themselves any favors, no. and there's there's such a huge gap between uh, 17 and 18 right now. I think it's eight point eight point gap. So, but the red, red apocalypse uh, didn't end there. Like that game was insane, but then you have Manchester United and Southampton. Two two more red cards. I I didn't do the research, but it has to be the first time in history that two teams on the same day, nevertheless the same match week, have gone down to nine nine men. Yeah, and unlike uh, Wolves, who could only score, uh, actually Wolves didn't score any goals on nine men. <laughs> they only scored the one uh, on a ten man Arsenal. Manchester United ties the record, scores nine goals, beats mm. Southampton nine nil. That's the second time Southampton has lost nine nil uh, in the last two seasons. Um, it's just, I mean, I'm really thankful that last week I asked, like, who's going to finish highest between, I think it was West Ham, uh, Aston Villa, and yeah. Southampton. And none of us cho chose Southampton. And Thank goodness. We're all glad about that. Um, I'm sure Chris is very sad. We're not going to spend more time talking about that drubbing, but. Uh, yeah, poor guy. He's, his team wins 9-0, and he can't even be on the podcast to, to bask in the glory. I know, but he also would have had to reckon with a collapse against Everton. That's true. Where they, uh, I think they were up 3-1 and ended up drawing with Everton a last second goal um, mm. to, to draw for Everton Calvert Lewin kind of pokes it in toe pokes it in on a long free kick. So big, big point for, for Everton, but it's stuff like that, that just leads us to the fact that city is running away with yeah. the league. Um, they, they're now five points up with a game in hand on second place United. They could be up to eight points up. Um, they drubbed Liverpool yesterday. Really good first half. Um, 
Liverpool might have even won the half, even though uh, there was a, a PK misc by um, Gundion. I forget how to totally say his name, but uh, foul in the box. He missed the PK, so it was nil-nil at halftime. Uh, Man City took the lead 1-0. Sala tied it 1-1, and then Allison with just multiple errors. I, it was a, the whole weekend or the whole mat, the last two match weeks. So this whole last week was so bizarre. Mm -hmm. Allison making multiple blunders, two on one play that led to a goal. Then another weird pass, uh, later on that led to the third goal. Um, just a bizarre, bizarre turn of events. A bizarre. Allison's a world-class keeper and just played crazy and so liverpool who maybe was kind of feels like the last team to to have a chance to to knock off city and potentially make a run gets drubbed and city seems to be running away with it they certainly do they you know that this being my first season following the premier league what is a what's a realistic you know expectation here if a team were to be able to make a run at city at this point so city's only at five points i certainly get assume that if man you got hot and city had a big injury five points is over you know overcomable for sure i would assume but if you know if if we're looking at everton has 37 points to, to city's 50 is is 13 points at this stage pretty large pretty significant yeah i think it is and i think i mean you said if city has an injury the problem is they do have injuries true bruyne is out yep uh aguero i don't think's back yet so the team is so deep they're so good and this is the city that the city of two years ago um a little bit last year i mean it's kind of crazy i think wolves beat city both times last year (laughs) um wow and City started the year off a yeah. bit shaky, but also they had those games in hand the whole time. And so part of me, at least, I feel like City felt like they were worse than they really were earlier on. And now they've just, they've gone on this run of, what is it now, 13 or 14 matches in a row, unbeaten in all competitions. And that's what we saw two years ago. And it just, it really feels insurmountable. We'll see. Um, I think they have Spurs next. They have a couple like like the other kind of contenders. They've got to play the other contenders here over the yeah. next few weeks, and it's kind of like next man up. Can anyone can anyone slow City down to to keep this a competition into the long run? But it doesn't it doesn't feel like it, and it makes the Manchester Derby uh, that much more important later mm. on to see if if United can can make a little bit of a, a run with them. The other team that probably can't make a run and p- make up all the points, but has has turned their season around is Chelsea. Um, they've been again. You know, we've talked a lot about how weird of a season this has been so far, but Chelsea was top of table at one point, I think, in October, and then just faded away for a couple months. Frankie Boy got fired and got sacked, as they say. And, <laughs> They brought in Tuchel and 
they've now uh, gone four in a row unbeaten uh, 10 points out of those four matches. Their one draw coming against wolves, which uh, Tuchel had only been there for, I think 24 hours. So I don't know (laughs) if that's more indicative of wolves uh, playing well or which they did or, just Tuchel not having enough time to, to get the ter- team turned around, but I'm, I'm fortunate that we played them then. And uh, they're, they're looking good. They've only allowed one goal in those four matches. And that was an own goal by Rudiger yesterday. I'm not sure if you saw that. Yeah, I did. Um. <laughs> it's funny. Just like back pass that just went, went straight in basically. Most, yeah. Most own goals crack me up. You know, you just feel so bad. Like those guys, when that happens, their heart just has to be in their stomach, you know, the pit of their stomach. Um, And it's so unlike any other moment in sports, right? And that's so coming to it and watching those, an own goal. um, I I guess the closest thing might, might be a, to a tip in where you score on your own hoop in a bat in a basketball game. But even that doesn't have the type of impact and devastation that an own goal has. It's really a unique thing. It really is. I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, like an outfielder who that goes to catch <laughs> a ball at the wall and like pops totally. over, like pops the Jose over. Canseco, the yes. Jose Canseco, you know, yes, maybe something like that. But even then it's, it's yeah there's nothing as consequential as as an own goal in in soccer so so chelsea in four tuchel matches has allowed has not allowed their opponent to score on them (laughs) only rudiger uh so that's 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 a good little run the other team i wanted to talk about really quickly and I, I teased it in the intro, so you might you might already know the answer to this. But do you know the only other team who is unbeaten in their last five, other than Man City? I would I would not have, other than I'm looking at the show notes right now. <laughs> well, you can say it. Brighton and Hove Albion. Brighton and Hove Albion is unbeaten. Are are unbeaten in their last five, eleven points. And their only loss in 2021 is a 1-0 loss to City. It's kind of, it is really hard. Wow. It's really hard to imagine that, uh, that Brighton is playing so well. Um, you know, they're still in 15th, um, but they're now 10 points away from the relegation zone. And I think that, again, that kind of comes back to how bad the bottom three are. Even Burnley, who's in 17th point, uh, 17th place is eight points from the bottom three. And it, it almost feels inevitable at this point that the bottom three are set. Yeah, that, that does feel inevitable. But, man, that's pretty cool uh, for Brighton and Hove Albion to be playing this well. Do you think this is – do you see anything that leads you to believe this is sustainable for them? I have no idea because I literally yeah. never watch them. And <laughs> I never – I pretty much gloss over their, um, totally. their stats as well, like their highlights. So, so the fact that they're forcing you to pay attention and get a shout-out on this podcast – 
yeah, is a like great that's, sign. Yeah. So now though, like this upcoming week, they play Aston Villa. And so I think that'll be a good, that'll, that'll be another good test for them. Yeah. They're, they're Vic, they're the last five matches. I mean, are, weren't against like the bottom feeders. They beat Leeds. They mm-hmm. actually drew who's against, hot as well. Who's, who's hot, hot as, as well. well. Yep. They actually drew against Fulham, ironically, mm. but then they beat Spurs, they beat Liverpool, and then they drew against Burnley. So wow. their, two, their two draws in the last five were against the number 17 and 18 <laughs> team, play, uh, team. So, Yeah, and then beating two Giants. That's pretty yeah. crazy. Uh, I did want to talk about West Ham really briefly. Uh, still still fit, playing fairly well, staying up there in this top six. Um, we've watched Southampton fall. Aston Villa still has two games in hand. Uh, Everton still has two games in hand. Tottenham has a game in hand. Um, so there is some space in the top six, but for now, West Ham still in top six, they're tied in points with Chelsea, quite a bit different, uh, goal differential, but, um, but West Ham in, in top six, but uh, football neophytes favorite Mikel Antonio uh, got injured in this yeah. match. So um, definitely a, an unfortunate loss for them. And it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, figure out what to do with that, you know, attacking position to see if they can replace him to hopefully sus- for them, sustain the momentum and maybe sneak out a Europa spot. That would be incredible. Remind me again. Can you remind me again and remind listeners at home who are neophytes like myself, what are the the spots here in the table that that are that get to go on and play in other tournaments? Top four get Champions League. Okay. Five and six are pretty much guaranteed. Five's guaranteed Europa. Six is almost always guaranteed Europa. Okay. And then if the seventh and then the winner of FA cup gets a spot in Europa as well, Mm -hmm. or the number seven team. So wolves in 20, the 2018, 2019 season finished seventh man city won the FA cup that year. And so because they already had a champions league spot, the Europa spot went to wolves. So Wolves went to Europa. Okay. But last year, Wolves finished seventh. But Arsenal, who I think finished ninth, beat Chelsea in the FA Cup finals. So Arsenal got the Europa spot and Wolves missed out. On every on on the big Yes. On, on every seven because seven's not a guaranteed spot. Wow. It's only guaranteed if the FA Cup winner already has a spot in European competition. Okay. Okay. So FA Cup, I know we've kind of like talked. I, I mean, I love it a little bit, yeah. but we on the podcast is we've kind of like learning about the sport. It's hard to like understand like why these cup matches matter. The FA Cup matters because it gives you a spot in Europe. Okay. Yeah. That's so top six for sure. Seven most of the time, but not guaranteed. And then there's there's really nothing else for the others, no even small tournaments. Okay. No, that's it. Good to know. 
So we've already we've already talked about about red cards, just a slew of red cards. But I did want to to talk a little bit about a couple others. Uh, our 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 West Ham Czech friend So Czech gets a red card, um, and this is the one that got overturned. So mm. he like he's never had a red card in his career. He like kind of turns. It's it's on a free kick towards the end of the match. Um, and he's he's just kind of turning his body, but his elbow is high. And I think he elbows Milo, Milovic for Fulham. Man, I'm hashing names today. I'm struggling. Um, elbows him in the head. They go to VAR, and the referee gives him a red card. And he's like, even, uh, even Milovic like, looks at him and is kind of like, I know that wasn't on purpose like yeah it's like really clear and so fa went back and reviewed it and um it was overturned so he won't miss miss any matches but he was out of the rest of the game which there was only like a minute left so it wasn't a huge deal for the game <clears throat> yeah seems like the right call to me unless there's some which it would not no one's saying there is but in, unless there were some sort of motivation or history there that made it and he was really good at pretending like he didn't mean to do it, which again, no one's saying that, but it definitely looked unintentional. Yeah, definitely. And then Hendrick with double yellows for Newcastle. Um, he went out and Newcastle was still able to hold on and, and secure that three, three, two victory, sending Southampton just into further demise. It's really sad. I, I like the Southampton team. It's really sad to see what's happened to them. They haven't won. And actually, I'm not even sure they've secured a point. I know they for sure haven't won since the Hassan Hutel uh, tears of joy after beating Liverpool. So they beat Liverpool. Hassan Hutel cried, and they haven't won since. So mm. it's a bummer to see what's happened to them. Any, uh, any goals or performances or assists stand out to you over this last two match weeks? The one for Wolves, the one that you called out. Oh, Who yeah, scored that? Latino. Yes. That, I mean, it was the farthest goal that I, the farthest distance goal that I've seen this year, or really that I, one of the farthest that I can remember even seeing in highlights, he was way outside the box um, and just made a, such a, a laser strike. And watching that, I, I love the angle where you watch that from behind the keeper. Yeah, and you can just see the ball move um, on a rope. It, it was incredible. So that that was a that was a really great goal. Yeah, there was another just great. Uh, Bruno had an amazing strike in that Everton match. Um, he he wasn't quite as far out as Matinho, but he was off to the off to the right a little bit, right of goal, and just sent a shot into the upper left corner. Just mm. an amazing, amazing strike. Um, I know we've wanted to highlight some assist as well. And so in honor of Chris, I will also highlight another Manchester United player. And that's Marcus Rashford had an assist to Cavani. That was just beautiful. Dipped right over the defender's head and Cavani, like he yeah. is born to do, just came in and headed it into the goal. Um, and podcast favorite Ward Prowse uh, yes. had another goal off of a set piece 
I'm, mm. wor- I'm worried for Wolves. Even though Southampton's down, I feel like Wolves give up so many penalties just outside the box. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we lose like 2-1 and both of the goals are Ward-Prowse screamers off of set pieces. That's, that's kind of how it, how it feels. Uh, the way Wolves He's incredible at it. The fact that he can keep scoring off those set pieces at a rate that's so much higher than everyone else. And we're like, getting an assist. It's kind of like his pick of the poison. Like, am I going to just right poke one in the top yeah. corner or am I going to just off a corner off a, you know, a set piece closer to the line, just put, put it where I want it. So a teammate can head it in. Yeah. I don't know if they give out hundreds in FIFA or <laughs> how many they give out, but he needs a hundred for, for that skill. He, he really does. He really does. All right. So we are going to take a little bit of time right now. Kyle, we are nearing the end of you featuring teams. There is, there's one team left for you to feature. Yep. Um, they have been much maligned on, on the <laughs> podcast and they're pretty much out of the running to make it out of the relegation zone. So there's a, there's very little chance that you'll choose them, but you still are going to feature them this upcoming week yes but we are we are instituting a new element to the podcast and we are going to have kyle announce next week his top eight teams basically his final eight the final eight teams that kyle is choosing between for the rest of the season that's going to give him an opportunity over the next eight match weeks to take deeper dives into the teams, maybe hear from some of you on Twitter. You can hit them up. We're going to be doing a little more like reaching out to, to other uh, fan casts or other fans to have them send favorite moments of these different clubs, send Kyle some clips. Let's load Kyle up with as much information so he can make the best decision possible. But before we get to the top eight, which we'll announce next week, we have asked Kyle to give us his bubble teams. So what are the four teams, essentially teams eight through 11, yep. the four bubble teams, and we're going to put up a, a poll and we're going to ask our, our, our followers on Twitter, our fans to help Kyle, not help. You get to choose who his eighth team is. So out of these bubble teams, you, our listeners get to choose the eighth team that kyle focuses on for the rest of the season so kyle uh give us what are what are these four what are the four bubble teams right now okay so do we want to just dive into the four bubble teams first and then leave the top the top seven and the the others kind of yeah let's leave the rest out we want to continue we want that mystery to build i like all we'll know is essentially like who are the middle yeah. Who are the middle table, who are the mid table teams for you right now? They're out there. They're, they're kind of long shots probably to be your team, but they, they do have a chance. Yeah. I like it. I'm I, the reason why I'm hesitating right now, folks, this is breaking news. I am making an adjustment as oh, we speak. I, I love it. Although I, the last 
on-air adjust, adjustment that was made was was Chris choosing Manchester <laughs> United over, I think, Leicester or someone. So I, I don't know if I should be excited or not. So we'll see. Uh, I'll find out off-air which adjustment he made. But on-air, give, give us the four bubble teams. The four bubble teams are so in excited. no particular order. Liverpool. Okay. Tottenham Hotspur. Ooh, I love this. Give us some of the big clubs. Yeah. Burnley. All right. Okay. And Leicester. Ooh. So good. So Liverpool. There are some big clubs in there. There are big clubs. Liverpool, Spurs, Leicester, Burnley. Burnley's gotta feel like an outsider right now, but what I mean, what's what's Bur- Burnley's probably never been mentioned with those other clubs in their entire life. Hey, but Burnley the- actually finished seventh a few years ago and made Europa. So here's the thing. Okay, shout out Burnley. They, <laughs> I'm just now looking at this. They finished with the lowest golden boot total number of golden boots out of any team I looked at. I think I bait my summary was basically like, yeah, I got bored talking, looking at them and I just gave them five golden boots total. So how, how do they get in this? Yeah. Tell us how they got in this bubble position then. Their new ownership group is exciting Mm. to me. The support that I've seen for Burnley on this podcast and the fans of this podcast is inspiring. And I wanted to just move them up. They they skyrocketed up into that top tier and now have a shot based on the fan vote to move into the top eight. I love it. I love it. So we are going to, uh, we'll put the poll up probably tomorrow morning when this, when this drops. So depending on when you're listening, the poll will be up on Twitter. So at football neophyte on Twitter, uh, we will, I'll, I'll do the best I can to make it a fair fight. It's it's, there's certainly more fans of Liverpool in the world, um, of Tottenham of Leicester than Burnley, but, um, I don't know, but from our listeners, so we'll put it, we'll put it up there and whatever team uh, comes out on top at the end of the poll will be the eighth team uh, to make it into Kyle's final eight. So I'm very excited for this. As am I, I can't wait. And I'm really excited about the top seven as well as whoever comes out of this group. And honestly, I really don't know who I'm going to pick yet. And so I'm looking forward to this final stretch. Yeah. And I think it'll be good. We can get some, some interaction on, on Twitter and hopefully get, some deeper cuts on some of these teams and we'll, we'll dive yeah. deeper in each episode to try and to learn some more. And I think getting a second look around at some of these teams will be interesting too. Cause you'll notice different things, the matches that you definitely will matter. And, and now you know a lot more of what to look for even, which, which will be fun. Yeah. All right. Let's take a little look at the locket in uh, review uh, the, the, the race is getting tighter here. Uh, I got one right and one wrong. Uh, that puts me at, I took city over Burnley, which was correct. And Manchester United over Everton, 
which was wrong at the last minute. That drops my record to 13 and 10. Chris picked Sheffield United over West Brom and City over Liverpool. And that moves him up to 12 and 10 with a game in hand, as he likes to say. And Kyle paid the price for the double mm. dip against Wolves. He lost both of them. He picked Arsenal over Wolves and Leicester over Wolves, which we've already addressed. So that drops Kyle into last place at 12 and 11 with no games in hand. Kyle, who do you have for this week's uh, lock it in? Man. Well, I will never pick against the Wolves again. <laughs> Feel free. That, was... that actually turned out really well for us. Yeah. Man, okay. Well, I, <clears throat> I uh, this week am taking Chelsea over Newcastle. That's a great pick because that's what I went with as well. And we reached out to Chris and asked him to pick. And Chris is doing kind of the reverse of what he did earlier, what you guys did earlier in the year, which was always <laughs> against Fulham. And he is, I think he's riding the city train until they lose, which is not a bad yeah. decision. Even though that'll be one of the best matches of the week, theoretically, uh, he's taking City over Spurs, which is uh, one of my matches of the week. I think it's kind of like up next for City. Can someone knock them off? Some, can someone take some points off of them? Uh, the way Spurs are playing right now, I don't see it happening. They did play better. Kane was back and unlocked goals for them. So um, they'll, they'll need Kane. They'll need that Kane son duo uh, to hopefully, you know, upset city, but that's, that's my game to watch this week. Plus uh, Leicester and Liverpool. Um, I think a really important match for both of them uh, to see if someone can help keep pace with, with Manchester city. We also, though we don't have midweek, matches we've had like many weeks in a row it feels like december january early february there have been matches just right on top of each other we don't have premier league matchups midweek but there is fa cup kyle i don't know if you realize that and one of the main reasons i'm bringing that up is because you can get a little extra burnley viewing experience ah. if you want tomorrow <clears throat> I guess it'll be afternoon at your lunchtime there yes. on the East Coast on ESPN Plus. You can watch Burnley take on Bournemouth. Bournemouth is a championship club. They were in the Premier League last year. Um, so that should be a good match. Manchester United, Chris will want us to mention, plays West Ham tomorrow in the fifth round of the FA Cup. And Wolves, I don't it's probably just coincidence, but it seems like this happens a lot. Wolves play Southampton on Thursday at yep. home in the FA cup. And then they turn around and play them again on Sunday in the premier league. I think that happened to Manchester United wow. in the year two, where they played uh, a team back <clears throat> to back. So, so Wolves have double dip against, against Southampton. So, um, and then the winners of this, this is the final, this is the round of 16. So it'll go to quarterfinals. Uh, winners of these matches of the FA Cup move on to the quarterfinals. So that's exciting. That is exciting. And uh, do we feel like the FA Cup used to have more luster than it currently does? Yeah. 
I think I think it did. I mean, I haven't been around long enough, but but as I listen to other podcasts, um, definitely there's that kind of debate among other fans of Premier League, particularly. I think I think British fans still hold the FA Cup really like dearly in their hearts. Most of them. I think yeah. maybe for the American fans, it's it's maybe harder to get behind. You don't have the history of it. You don't have that kind of nostalgia that's connected to it. Playing in Wembley, they play the finals and maybe the semifinals too, but at least, no, the finals are in, at Wembley Stadium in London. And so even playing matches at yeah. Wembley is like a big deal because that's where they play the semifinals and the finals for the championship. So Wembley just has this like, aura about it when it comes to to football and so um so i do think for a lot of of the the british fans they they still do really care the guys i think i don't know if every club talks about it this way but my my wolverhampton friends they they talk about are you up for the cup are you up for the cup <laughs> they'll actually ask each other that like are we up for the cup like is this something that we should be going for this year yeah so when yeah. wolves were in europa last year it was a competition that we were kind of like let's play our young guys <clears throat> we make a run we make a run and maybe we can decide in the quarterfinals if we want to yep. go for it but europa and finishing well in the premier league mattered more so for teams like burnley for championship club teams um you know Swansea, who I think's leading or is towards the top of the championship, they play City on on Wednesday. Mm. My guess is City's going to run out uh, a younger club. They won't play a ton of their starters, but Swansea might because they might want to make make a run. You know, Burnley and Bournemouth, they probably both will run out good club good uh, teams team called Barnsley plays Chelsea they'll probably put their best foot forward so yeah you know it's part of that that chess match that uh teams have man and managers have to decide how they want to how they want to go about running the season so, yeah there's a lot a lot of interesting strategy there for sure it's a really interesting concept Kyle there's one last team for you that's it's episode 20 next week so who who are you featuring astute listeners will know we've hinted at it already but yes so at the beginning the first few episodes of this podcast i would often make the remark that your week might have been bad but it was not as bad as fulham's well i am going to get ex- get to experience all of the badness that is fulham um and we'll be reviewing them and yeah, obviously they're struggling this year. They're well in the, the relegation zone, probably not going to be able to fight themselves out of that. I've certainly had my, you know, moments where I've made a lot of fun of, the, of them throughout this year. Uh, but I will say I'm, I'm still interested in, in watching them. And I made a comment about this earlier this year, but I really, I like, certain aspects of, of what I've seen from their team. And also just from, I I, I'm a sucker for if your stadium is built on near water. And so the fact that they're near the river and kind of playing into that a little bit, I actually think is really cool. Um, again, 
it stinks because they're almost definitely going down. Um, but I will be taking a look at them and, and um, hopefully, you know, hopefully I don't endure the wrath of the Fulham fans as I, uh, hopefully I can get back in their good graces is what I'm trying to say. Well, and I think, I mean, here, the, the more unfortunate thing for Fulham, I would say, here are the things to look out for. Craven Cottage, at least from the outside, I think is one of the coolest looking grounds in, yeah. in all of football. Like I want to, when I get to go, whenever we get to travel again, and I get to make my pilgrimage to go to Wolverhampton and see a game at, yep. at Molyneux, I want to see a game at, at Craven Cottage as well. It's just a really cool looking yeah. stadium. Fulham has a long history of having Americans. I don't know what, how long it is, but it's like lots of years in a row. They've had at least one American on their club. Right now it's Tim Ream, who we've made plenty fun of. Um, I don't know if he's seen any game game time recently, but Anthony Robinson is a guy to look out for. He's an American who's played really well uh, this season. Um, Other guys to keep an eye out for um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I think he's on loan there from Chelsea. I know he played uh, for Chelsea uh, before, if not on loan, he's, he's there. Um, uh, the other guy to look out for is Alexander Mitrovic. He's the guy who got elbowed that I butchered his name earlier. He is, uh, he's an older player, but uh, has been a great striker over the years. Uh, Ivan Cavallero. He's a former Wolves guy. Bobby de Cordova Reed, another guy to look out. And uh, Lookman, Adamola Lookman uh, is another guy to keep your eye out for. Um, they're, they don't have a lot of excitement, but they probably have the best looking manager uh, in the league. So keep your eye out. You know? Uh, there you got it. You got to have something, right? So you might as well have a manager that is pretty hot. Yeah, that's right. That's the that's the Arizona Cardinal strategy, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, next week uh, we'll feature Fulham, and Kyle will reveal his top seven plus whoever you save. Thanks so much for listening, Kyle. Good night. In honor of the Super Bowl, Glazes out. Glazes out. <laughs>